Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Bible. Let's check the Bible attendance in the house, whether it's on your phone or your old school like me. And those of you that are visiting, just so you know, we do this every Sunday. And I don't think it's a rote routine thing. For me, it's real. We want to get some things out and declare them because we just know that when we open our heart to God and his word, he speaks to us. And when we open up our heart to God's spirit, he reveals things to us. So if you're not a whole percent comfortable in saying this, don't worry about it. But if you are, just hold them up and let's say it all together. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have the Bible, open it up to John chapter 15 and hold yourself there. God has given you keys to unlock your freedom. How many of you believe that? Okay, so repeat this after me. I promise I'll never have you say something embarrassing, but just repeat this after me. Ready? God has given me keys to unlock my freedom. Yeah, and it's so true. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth, listen, the truth that you know, the truth that you're applying to your life, the truth that you're feeding on, the truth that you're growing in, that truth will make you free. And then he just kind of put a cherry on top of it and he said, For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. (laughs) Amen. And when he says that, make you free, I just want you to know he's talking about being free from the kingdom of darkness. He's talking about being set free and delivered from the grip of Satan and from all of his demons and their overpowering and ruling your life. And he really wants for us to be free. And he really did give us some keys to help us unlock our freedom. Keys are really, really important. We all know that keys open things, keys unlock things, keys give you authority to certain areas. A couple of weeks ago, I was all ready to go. I went to grab my keys from where we hang our keys. Anybody have a place where you hang your keys, right? All the keys go there. So I went over there to look for my keys, looked at all the keys, and my keys weren't there. That's not unusual. Come on, somebody agree with me. Now, sometimes that's not unusual, right? So I'm looking for the keys. I look, I look, I look behind all the keys, you know, I look around the laundry area where the key rack is at. I, I looked in my bedroom for the keys. I looked in the bathroom for the keys. I mean, I looked in the office for the keys. I looked under every piece of furniture. I looked under the cushions for the keys. I had to go somewhere. I had things to do, and I couldn't find my keys. I even went outside, and I looked around where I was hanging out the day before, just in case I left my keys there. 
And I wish I had a good ending to the story, but the truth is I was housebound all day because I couldn't find my keys. I had a car. I had, I had a car. It's my car, but I didn't have my keys. And I texted my wife, and she says, I don't know where your keys are, you know. And long story short, I had to wait till she got home to get my spare key off of her keys. That's dumb on my behalf. I need to fix that. And then I took my spare key, and I unlocked the key, uh, key the door to my, my Jeep, and I went in there, and wouldn't you know it, my car keys were sitting on the floorboard in my car, tucked up real close to the center council, and I couldn't even see him by putting my face to the window and looking really, really close. And so I was housebound. I couldn't go anywhere. And see, listen, your freedom in Christ is kind of like that. This is the truth. When you said yes to Jesus, he set you free. But then he's given you these keys to the kingdom of God. And they're supposed to be utilized in your life and in my life. And guess what? If you don't know you have the keys or if you can't find the keys, you won't be able to experience, keyword, the freedom that Christ has already placed you in, even though freedom belongs to you. And it's important that we see this because God doesn't want any of us to be enslaved shackled or bound to a broken heart, enslaved or bound to a destructive habit or an addiction that's harming you. God doesn't want you and I to be enslaved to a heart of unforgiveness or bitterness or discouragement or hopelessness. God gave you freedom in Christ but without utilizing the keys that he's given you with that freedom, you and I will stay forever stuck, even though we've already been set free. Can somebody say amen? Simple title for today's message is Four Keys to Finding or Unlocking Freedom. Finding or Unlocking Freedom. And I want to have us to look at a pretty familiar story if you've been in church for any length of time. It's the story about the prodigal son. How many of you ever heard the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? So I want to read some of it. And then we're going to go back and we're going to identify some of these keys that he utilized so that he could be free. That are still applicable for us today that we can utilize so that we can experience freedom. Luke 15, 11 through 17, I'm reading from the New King James. This is what the Bible says. Then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the father divided to them, his two sons, his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions, his inheritance, with prodigal or reckless or riotous or loose, wasteful living. Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So he's out of money, he's out of friends, he's out of resources, and he's struggling. Verse 15. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he, 
sent him, the prodigal son, into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, if you don't know this, this prodigal son is Jewish, and to feed pigs was probably the most humiliating, unclean thing that a, joy, a Jewish boy could ever find himself doing. And I don't know about you, but I tend to believe that Jesus is telling this story, and all of those people are listening to him. They're connecting the dots. And more than likely, this family that the prodigal came from was a Jewish family who grew up understanding some things about their relationship with God, who grew up probably reading the Torah, the scriptures, and going to synagogue. So this wasn't uh, unfamiliar to this young man who finds himself in a really, really bad state. Look at verse 16. It says that he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. There were these carob pods that came off a tree that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. So he's starving. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now, I don't know about you, but I would venture to say that most of us can probably identify with what it feels like to be stuck in a place in life where you don't want to be stuck. Use your imagination. It could be financially, it could be in a relationship, it could be with an emotion, it could be with an addiction, it could be stuck, and you know God wants you to be free, God wants you to go forward, and you realize that God doesn't want you to be in this place, but you're stuck. The problem is, how do I get out of this mess? How did he get out of this mess? So this is where I want to give you four keys. If you have that sermon guide, there's some fill in the blanks if you have a pen. So here's the first key to finding your freedom or unlocking your freedom. Key number one, recognize that I need help. Let's leave that on the screen for a moment. Church, would you say that with me? Recognize that I need help. Notice verse 17. But when he came... To himself. Another version says it this way, the Amplified. But when he finally came to his senses, another version says this the son realized that he had been very foolish. I heard one pastor say this You can't know yourself if you are running from the one who made yourself for himself. And that's what this prodigal son was doing. See, this story really is about a picture of a dad who represents Father God and two sons who represent you and I. And he was running away from the one who created him, the one who's given him everything he needs in life, and he finds himself stuck. And the Bible says he came to himself. He realized. He came to his senses. Something came alive on the inside of him. Can I just be bold enough to say this? It will even take God's help for you and I to recognize that we even need God's help. But that's the grace of God. Because the enemy is going to do everything he can to put blinders over your spiritual eyes 
so that spiritually you don't recognize that you need help. You think you can do it on your own. You think you got it. You think tomorrow's going to be different than yesterday. So you keep to yourself, but you got to recognize that you need help. I love Psalm 46.1. Listen to this. Listen, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. How many of you ever heard that verse before? Listen, when I was reading that, the Holy Spirit reminded me, God doesn't just give you help. God is your help. Amen? He is the help that you and I need. So the very, very first thing, if you and I want to experience freedom, I have to recognize that I need help. Key number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Repent to God and to others. Let's leave that on the screen. Church, would you say it with me? Repent to God and to others. Now, if, if, you're, if you're newer to church or, or you don't really understand what that word repent really means, just, just hold that in the back of your mind for a second and we'll get there. But I want us to look at verse 18 and 20. Luke 15, 18 and 20. The son said to himself, listen, this is what he said. When he realized where he was and how he was trapped and he needed help, this is what he said. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. If you have a pen or a highlighter, make this note. That's God. Because God's where? I know God's everywhere for all of you theologians, but his throne is where? In heaven, right? So he said, I've sinned against heaven, notice, and before you. That's another person. So he sinned against God, and he sinned before or against somebody else. And he arose, and he came to his father. Check this out. Look at the mercy of God. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. God's waiting for you to recognize that you need his help. God's looking. Every day he's looking and he's waiting for you to recognize that you need his help. And he just wants you to turn and to come back to him. As a matter of fact, that's what the word repent means. It means to change your mind. Repent. Meta noeo. It means to perceive or to think with your mind a different way. Obviously, it means to be sorry for your sin, but not just sorry for your sin. Allow the Holy Spirit to take that to the depths of what you've been doing, and you know you're in, you're in trouble apart from God, and the Holy Spirit will begin to cause you to think differently. Think differently about God. He's your source. He's your helper. He loves you. He's full of compassion. He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you to walk in freedom. He wants you to repent. Change the way you think about God and change the way you think about yourself. I mean, we got to repent to God. We got to change the way we think. We come to God. Notice what he said. Man, I, I'm so sorry. I, I've, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against my dad. I'm going to arise and I'm going to go and I'm going to say something to clear the muddy water so that we could get a fresh start. Now, if you grew up in church, I want you to know, don't, don't make this plastic fake religion repent. No, repent is, is more than just being sorry for your sin. 
It's changing your mind, changing your direction, and going towards God. That's repent. That's changing. Amen? God will help us to do that, by the way. Listen to Proverbs 28, 13, just a note. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Notice the turning. When does the mercy come? The mercy comes when I turn from them. I confess them to God and I turn from them. Also, I want to point out there's a confession sometimes that needs to be made to other people. Listen to James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you, so when I confess my sins to someone that I may have wronged, someone that I may have harmed, someone that I've just been living loose in front of, being a bad witness, and I, and I make that right, there's a healing that could take place. Now, this word healed, it's not speaking of specifically and only physical healing. The Greek word carries the idea of to cure, heal, or make whole, and to free from errors and sins. To free from errors. And there's something about cleaning the slate. Have you guys ever had to clean the slate with somebody before? Man, I can tell you so many times I've had to clean the slate with my wife or I've had to clean the slate with my pastor. Or one time, my pastor, my boss, was in his office having a discussion with somebody who was mad at me. Can you believe somebody was mad at me? The nerve of that person. And she was just letting my pastor know how she felt. And I overheard it. Now, you're probably a bigger person than me. But I couldn't resist. I barged in that office. And I gave her a piece of my mind in the name of Jesus. And, and that was not my meeting. That was his meeting. Now, this was yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yolanda, goes, Yolanda goes, no, it's not. It was a long time ago. But I remember that, that the, the slate wasn't so clean when I did that. And I had to make it right. I had to repent. I had to change the way I thought about those things and how they took place. And I had to go to God. I had to deal with that. I was wrong. I don't want to be wrapped up in... Putting, putting my identity on what other people say or think about me. I want to be free to just live as how you think about me. But, but I had to make that right. And I had to make it right with Pastor Gill. I had to go and apologize. And he's so gracious. If you don't know him, he is the most gracious man I've ever, ever met. And, uh, and we know it's true because I'm still here. But listen, there's something about confessing your sins to God and turning from them, and then if needed, to other people, that unlocks freedom. Amen? Amen? It unlocks freedom. Third key to unlock freedom. Here we go. Renounce the lies of Satan. Oh my. This is powerful. Renounce means to formally declare your rejecting of the devil's lies in and over your life. 
You renounce them out loud. Every bondage that you and I experience, every unseen shackle that has us bound to an unhealthy habit or way of life is rooted and grounded in a lie from the devil. You have to renounce those lies. And I'll give you some examples. Notice, remember the father had two sons, not just one. He had a younger son and he had an older son. And I want to show you some of the lies that the older son bought into that kept him from living free the way his father wanted him to. Luke 15, 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, some of you are just now tuning in when you heard that, right? Because that's, that's fun, right? Music and dancing. What was going on? Remember, the younger son came home. Father's excited. Father is happy. Break out the DJ and all of the party supplies. Amen. And so the older son comes near the property line. He hears that. And then it says in verse 26, so he called one of the servants and he asked them, what's going on? And the servant said, your brother's come home because your father's received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. Verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Can you picture it? His little brother's home. His brother who was lost and now he's found. He was in chains and now he's free. He's home and they're celebrating. And the big brother hears it and he comes and he finds out. And he's angry. He's bound by jealousy. By comparison. By anger. So much so that he won't go to the party. And he won't celebrate the good news. Goes on and it says this, so he answered and said to his father, Dad, these many years I have been serving you. Notice the lies. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Somebody say, big lie. Come on, anybody got any kids that live perfect and never transgressed any commandment anytime? I thought that was only Jesus. Isn't that true? This guy is so self-righteous that he actually believes that he's never, ever, not once transgressed any of his father's commandments. And he believes it. It's clouding his vision. It goes on and he says this, and he's not done. You never gave me a young goat. Anybody want a young goat? There's a lot of them where we live. I see them in the roads all the time. I, I'm reminded I'm not in California anymore when I see goats in the middle of the road. You never gave me a young goat that I might have a party with my friends. Now listen, the Bible doesn't say whether or not dad actually ever gave him a goat. But do you remember when the younger son came and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. The Bible says that the father gave them the inheritance that came to them. Now, Jewish tradition, one-third went to the younger son. Two-thirds went to the older son. He had plenty. And he always had access to it when he was at home with Dad. 
There's complete access to freedom when we're at home with dad. But he bought the lie. What are some of the lies that you and I might buy? You can never break free from this. That's a lie. God could never straighten out your life going forward. That's a lie. You'll never experience the plan and the purpose that God has for you. He'll never forgive you. That one was way, way over the line. Listen, can I just rest your heart right now? If you ever just have the little bit of concern about what God's thinking, that's a good thing. And he wants you to keep moving towards him because he wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring forgiveness. If you're with me, say amen. We have to renounce the lies of Satan. Here's your fourth and final key. If you're going to get free, receive the gifts of the Father. Come on, would you say it with me, church? Come on. Receive the gifts of the Father. Notice Luke 15, 22. And the son comes home and dad's kissing his neck and the son begins to repent. He begins to apologize. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. The robe is representative of your righteousness in Christ. Can somebody say amen? It's the robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10 says, For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. No matter how bad you sin, no matter how far you might be right now, no matter how deep the hole or how bound you are, when you ask for forgiveness, he cleans you up in that moment. He makes you white as snow. Righteousness. Why? Because... He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The ring, the ring represented authority, family authority. How many of you remember the story in Exodus between Joseph and Pharaoh? Joseph rose to second of command. Pharaoh gave him his ring of authority. And it symbolized authority in the family. Did you know Jesus gave you authority as a follower? Luke, 9, Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you, listen, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Serpents and scorpions are symbolic of demonic works in our lives, demonic entities in our lives. He's given us authority. We utilize the keys of the kingdom of God to walk in our authority. The sandals, the sandals are shoes of peace. And these sandals symbolize the father's loving welcome home and a new beginning to share with others. Listen, the kind of love that his father had shown him. How many of you know more people need these keys than just us here today? 
These are keys that will set us free and begin to unlock something. So, Pastor Robert, what do I got to do? What, what, so that's good information, but what do I got to do? Here, here's what you got to do, okay? Simple. Today or tomorrow. Don't put it off. Today or tomorrow. Get alone with God. And take these notes. And open your heart to him. And ask him to help you to recognize that you need his help. And then, repent. Tell him you're sorry. He loves you. He's not going to hold it over you. And then make a decision to think differently and go a different direction. And then, renounce the lies of Satan. Whatever the lies are that are resounding in your heart, you know what they are. Renounce them verbally. Satan, I renounce those lies. That's not who Father God says I am in Jesus' name. And then find out who you are. And then finally, receive fresh and anew. The robe of righteousness. Amen. Your authority in Christ, amen. The peace that's between you and Father God, amen. Receive. How often do I have to do it? Just do it until you're experiencing freedom like never before. Don't just do it today. Don't just do it tomorrow. Keep doing it. If you pull this out and keep doing this, I promise, based on the authority of the Word of God, you'll experience more and more freedom. Why is all this important, Pastor Robert? It's important. You ready? If I don't use the keys, I will stay stuck. Don't stay stuck. We're going to end in just a minute, but before we do, I want us to watch a video testimony. It's seven minutes long, but lean in, it's really good. It's about a woman who got stuck at a little girl from a broken heart. And as she got older, she found herself shackled and bound by the enemy until Jesus set her free. Can we turn the lights down and watch that video? So we were doing the Ouija board and we said, are, are you a spirit? And we got the answer, yes. What's your name? And it spelled out Legion. I actually had a spirit come through me and it was changing my personality. I really became very dark. I had this cloud over me, this heaviness that I could not get rid of. Judaism was just part of daily life. Our families, we all lived within maybe a three or four block radius of each other. And on the holidays, on Shabbat, we would get together for these great family dinners. I don't know how they prepared all that food on Shabbat morning. We didn't light the gas. We didn't turn on the lights. We had, you know, a Gentile neighbor that would come and do those things. My parents decided to move about 30 miles away to a beach town. And much to my amazement, we were the only Jewish family on the street. We were always sort of odd man out tragedy hit my family. My mom was going to meet my dad and she swerved to avoid a drunk driver and she hit a brick wall. While she was at the hospital, they discovered that my mom had breast cancer. I watched her slip away. My mother was the most charitable, giving, kind human being. All she wanted to do was do good for people. Where was God? 
Where was God? I had really kind of lost myself, lost my connection that I had known since I was a little girl, my connection to God, and it was, it felt so empty. There was a part of me that was like a big hole in my heart. We started doing things that I had never done and never envisioned doing in my life, like hanging out in bars. Started clubbing and um, getting involved with lots of men. Tried marijuana a little bit. Sex and rock and roll were my drugs of choice. So some friends of mine were into the occult. I had already been dabbling in astrology, getting some sort of what I called psychic readings. Let me tell you, all kinds of things were happening. All kinds of things. So we were doing the Ouija board and we said, are, are you a spirit? And we got the answer, yes. And then, what's your name? And it spelled out Legion. And then we would levitate tables. And at one of these seances, I actually had a spirit come through me. I had this cloud over me, this heaviness that I could not get rid of. Well, that spirit, it was driving me crazy and it was changing my personality. I really became very dark. How I was treating people was terrible. I was just, I'd become mean and I had become angry and it was just like a personality transfer. At a friend that I had met and I remembered him saying he was a minister. I had his number and I called him and I told him what happened. He said, well, well, you need to pray. He said, do you know how to pray? I said, I'm Jewish. Of course I know how to pray. How does a Jewish person not know how to pray? And he said, well, okay, do you want me to pray with you? And I said, if it will get rid of this spirit, yes, like pray with me. And I said, that's it? And he said, that's it. I was laying in bed and all of a sudden I felt a presence in my room in the middle of the night and I opened my eyes and there was Jesus standing in my bedroom. And I'm like, I, I'm Jewish. What are you doing here? And he said, I'm Jewish too. You belong to me. I'm setting you free because you're mine and you're going to be okay. And then he was gone. Along, you know, this time, my friends, they always went to church and there was a revival. The pastor, Jerry Macklin, gave an altar call. The thing I remember him saying is, if you have a broken heart, come now to the altar because Jesus is the healer of broken hearts. The whole history of my life from when my mom died, the heartbreak of all of that just flooded me. And somehow I knew if I got to that altar, that was where my healing would come. There was an answer. There was an answer to all this pain I had been in for so long. And I just kept remember saying, Jesus is in my heart. Jesus is in my heart. Jesus is in my heart. And it was transformational. I really started to think about my family. And I was thinking, oh boy, how are they going to receive this? Went to visit my brother. He went ballistic. He lost his mind. And this brother that I had been so, 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 so close to threw me out of his house. And he said, mom and dad would be rolling over in their graves. How could you do this? How could you do that to this, their memories? Get out of my house. I never want to see you again. 
And I was sobbing and weeping and sobbing. And it was like, David, don't do this. Don't do this. No. And he goes, get out. Just get out. I never want to see you again. And I walked to my car and my sister-in-law walked out with me. I'm so sorry, she said, but I just need to tell you something. There's a piece about you, Bobby. There's a change in you that I've never seen before. He'll, he'll come around. He'll come around. Don't let go of what you got. He'll come around. I used to look out. I had this most incredible view of the panorama of the cities of New York. And at night, how magnificent with all those lights. And as I was pondering them one night, there was an inner voice speaking to me, the Lord speaking to me through the Holy Spirit. And he said, Bobby, see every one of those lights. Every one of those lights, imagine that they represent a soul. And he said, I came and died on that cross to save every one of those souls. I love every one of those souls as you're looking at those lights. But now just imagine, just imagine that every light that you're looking at went out except one. And just imagine that that one light is you. And you know what, Bobby, my daughter, if you were the only one, I still would have gone to the cross. I still would have taken your sin. I still would have taken all of it on me just for you. I love what she said. Jesus told her, I'm Jesus. You belong to me. And I'm setting you free. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you think you have a pretty good relationship with God already. But what I'm discovering after 27 years of walking with Jesus is that the more he becomes real to me and the more that I can see him in all of his splendor and all of his goodness, the more I want to know him and the closer I want to grow to him. And in a moment, we're going to end our service and we're going to pray, but I just don't think that it's a coincidence that you're here today. See, God has given you keys to unlock. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.